Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the JBSC, but it's not, it's not the JBSC, it's something a little different. Um, I just thought I'd pop in very quickly, a couple of minutes, and introduce um, this new section of the podcast feed that pops up on your phone. Um, so this is something that I have dubbed the Will Blitz and it came about um, a few days ago. My cousin reached out to me and said he wanted to have a crack at sports analysis um, as he introduces on the pod um, better than I can. Uh, you know, he's an absolute sports fanatic. And so, uh, yeah, I was <laughs> more than happy to facilitate uh, an opportunity for him to record his thoughts and throw them up for you to listen to. So, yeah, the Will Blitz. I think it's going to mainly have uh, an NFL focus, but that's not hard and fast either. Uh, maybe it branches out. I don't know. Uh, the main thing is, this one is about the NFL. Uh, so you've, if you've been saying, Jake, you have an absence of NFL episodes right now, uh, well, stop your complaining because uh, Will is about to unpack an excellent recap of some of the best games of NFL Week 15. Week 15. Um, so yeah, we'd love for you to throw your support behind this new uh, segment that will pop up in the feed. Hope you enjoy it. I certainly did. Some great points made. Uh, so yeah. Got some more cool things like this cooking up. Um, my mate Johnny is probably going to do a Formula One journal, audio journal next year for that season and some other stuff I'm going to come back and put an episode about all sorts of things cricket and biathlon all that stuff that I've been watching uh, into your ears in the next couple of days just have to find time around work Christmas time it's busy at cinemas uh, so yeah until then sit back and enjoy this one uh, the first edition of the Will Blitz Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of this great, great podcast. My name is Will Boto, and this is actually my first ever episode on the podcast. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm originally from Melbourne. Uh, I grew up there for the first 11 years of my life. And then I moved the long, long journey across to Denver, Colorado, the home of the Denver Broncos. And that's where I became a big, big NFL fan. Um, out of my entire family, I watch the most football. I watch the most sport, in my opinion. Um, I discovered my love for sports analysis a couple months back when I realized my knowledge and memory of specific stats of football games. And for the past five years, I've basically spent every moment of my free time just on football. So... Without further ado, let's get into week 15 on this podcast. 
So today we're going to be talking about my top three favorite matchups of the week. Not necessarily the best matchups, but the favorites. Two of those have a very big impact on the playoffs. Maybe even three, you could say. Then we'll be diving into the top five wide receiver and quarterback duos of the week. And then to top it off, if we have a little bit of extra time, I'm going to be talking about the MVP race and who I think deserves the MVP. So let's get into it. Today, I believe the number one matchup of week 15 was the Bengals versus Vikings. Now, you may not have, you may not have watched it. And you might be like, Will, what are you saying, Bengals versus Vikings? It's Nick Mullins versus Jake Browning. And I know, right? Who would think Nick Mullins comes out and puts on a show? Throwing 26 for 33, 303 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Now you're like, those are elite numbers, but he's thrown two interceptions. And if you watch the game, you know, those two interceptions weren't on him. Maybe the second one in the third quarter, but the first one wasn't. The ball got ripped out of the receiver's hands, and the second one got tipped. Now, the tipped one, I, I can understand someone making an argument on him because he throws the ball too fast, but I think a backup quarterback coming in after Josh Dobbs, I mean, the amount of confidence you have to have in yourself to be able to go out there and perform like that is immaculate. And I think that's a great performance from this guy. And it shows this team that even though they lost 29-27 to after 21 points scored on them in the fourth, that they have a serious quarterback room. I mean, Josh Dobbs, he, give him his due. To start off, he, he started off pretty hot, but he slowed down a bit. That's why he got benched. Kirk Cousins, he's getting to the end of his career. I personally don't think we'll see him in a purple uniform uniform next year um, on the Vikings because of his age. But Nick Mullins as your starting guy might sound a bad or a crazy thing to have, but I don't think it is. This is his first game against a strong Bengals defensive line and a strong Bengals secondary. Um, in this game, I think we should highlight the main... The main stars, you know, you got Jordan Addison, T. Higgins. Jordan Addison put on a performance, if you watch the game. Um, he, he has to be one of the best offensive rookies, a wide receiver I've ever seen. I don't think I've seen anyone make as big an impact plays as he does. He's not a check down guy. He's not someone that, oh, I'm on a third and four, I'm looking for a quick first down I'm throwing to. No, he's making big plays. Averaging 18.5 yards per catch. Going, getting six catches, 111 yards, and two touchdowns was a main reason this game was even close. Another key important part of this game for the Vikings, even though they lost, Ty Chandler, man. Making one of his first starts um, and getting 23 carries shows that coaching staff is really like Kevin O'Connell's really putting the trust in his younger guys. And this is a young developing team. But other than the quarterback, I mean, you've got Ty Chandler, Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Ty Chandler, Josh Oliver even. I mean, you've got some really, really young talent on this team. Justin Jefferson didn't play much of a role. Uh, seven catches for 84 yards. Now, I know, like, not much of a role, you're saying, Will? 84 yards is still pretty good, but it's Justin Jefferson. I mean, I consider him an elite receiver. Um, but I just... 
I don't think the numbers really stand out. I don't think they stand out on the spreadsheet. Maybe maybe some of the plays. He had three or four good catches that kept drives going, but just wasn't his game. You got TJ Hawkinson doing what TJ Hawkinson does best. Six catches for 63 yards, no touchdown, which is quite surprising. Um, but I can't blame this game on Justin Jefferson. He got locked up by B.J. Hill. Com- completely locked up. He had an interception on him. Um, and then when he was playing defensive line, I don't think the interception counts on Justin Jefferson. He kind of dropped back when Jake Browning threw that ball. But he did play a pretty good game. He, he was probably the Bengals' defensive player of the game. Um, if we look at the Vikings' side... Defense didn't really stand out. They they played a pretty good three quarters. I mean, the trenches, the, the guys on the D-line did a great job. Uh, combining for a total of four sacks. Oh, five, sorry, I misspoke. That's pretty good. Uh, the Bengals have a pretty decent offensive line. Top ten, I'd say. And they got dominated this game. Without further ado, we're going to be moving on to the Bengals side of this game. You've got Jake Browning. I know you're asking, who is Jake Browning? Jake Browning's the backup for Cincy. He's aged, he's 27. Um, he joined last year, didn't really make much of a start, didn't really do anything. And last week against the um, against the Jags, he, he did perform pretty well with Joe Burrow going out, but unfortunately couldn't pull it through. But this week, 29 for 42, 324 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Are great numbers for a guy like Jake Browning. Um, he did not target Jamar Chase as much as I'd like him to. I think if he targeted Jamar Chase a little more, they could have blown the Vikings out of this game. T. Higgins, probably second player of the game. Bengals offensive player of the game. He's got four catches, 61 yards, the two touchdowns. And if any of you guys that are listening right now are Twitter fiends, you love Twitter, um, or even you just keep up to date with the best catches in the NFL. That second T. Higgins touchdown, where he catches the ball on the three-yard line and then 180 turns his body with his right hand and extends it into the end zone, was probably the greatest and most athletic play I've seen this week from a wide receiver. And players like T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd have been written off, written off recently, but I think this game really just shows how elite the Bengals' wide receiver core is. And how they can make quarterbacks that really aren't that good. I mean, Jake Browning's no better than a quarterback like Sam Darnold. And he's making... Like, the the core is just so good. They're making him look like a Tom Brady. 324 yards against a good Bengals D. And if you don't think they're good, I don't know what to say to you. I mean, they've got Harrison Smith, Danielle Hunter... Um, Josh Metellus, Ivan Pace Jr., Byron Murphy. I mean, a great defense, in my opinion, for 7-7 and team. Moving on, we're going to go to the Texans-Titans game. Um, just a uh, BWD uh, for your information. This is in no specific order. These are just my top three games, so... As I said, Texans-Titans. Uh, let's let's look at the Titans' key points of this game. Will Levis, 17 for 26, 199 yards and an interception. Doesn't really stand out to you on the stat sheet, does it? Well, 
he was able to find players like DeAndre Hopkins a couple times to keep drives going, but I wouldn't say he is a quarterback this week that has propelled his team like teams need their quarterback to do, which is the reason they lost. Taking a 16-3 lead over the Texans early, I basically turned this game off and swapped on to the next game. And then I come back, and somehow they win 19-16 the Texans. Traylon Burks probably was their offensive player of the game. Um, he he made the most he made the most dent, the biggest dent in the in the uh, Texans secondary. He was getting clamped by uh, Devin Singletary, not Devin Singletary. My bad, Devin Sting. Um, but nothing significant that he did this game. He, he didn't really produce much. Uh, three catches for 62 yards isn't bad. Isn't bad in my p- opinion. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins had two catches for 21 yards, both those catches extending drives. But for the most part, he did not really stand out to me at all. Um, as I said before, he was getting clamped. Clamped by Jalen Petre. Um, Jalen, getting clamped by Jalen Petre is bad. Jalen Petre is not a very good player. And Derek Singletary, not, why do I keep saying Derek Singletary? Derek Stingley Jr. was really the person who put the pressure on DeAndre Hopkins and really took him out of the game as a threat. Um, on the rush game, I mean, how do, how do you have 16 carries, Derek Henry, and you get nine yards? I think I could do better in an NFL game. <laughs> um, just kidding, but I mean, the, when your rush game is just shut down this bad, like this was this was bad. I mean, only being able to produce 66 yards on the game, it's looking like a Broncos rush offense. It's just terrible. Um, TJ Spears, though, nine carries for 30 yards. Nothing big. Will Levis got the rushing touchdown early in the third, but... There wasn't much I can, like, I, there's not much I can focus on with the Titans that makes me go, wow, this team is just going to propel themselves into the playoffs. And, and they're out of a playoff position now, but I, when coming into the season, when they pick up DeAndre Hopkins, I was optimistic. I'm like, maybe this team could make a playoff push and do something. But ultimately, they just proved me wrong. I mean, their defense did step up in this game, kept it, kept it close, Elijah Molden got that one interception, um, but again, the defensive line was probably the best part of the Titans game, um, moving on to the Texans offensive side, 23 for 36 for Case Keenum, 229 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, how? How did Case Keenum produce that? I mean, there's been a lot of quarterbacks this week that I think us as as television watchers and watching the game, spectators, we can see quarterbacks that have been written off, like Geno Smith last year, have actually started to produce. And some of these guys could start taking starting quarterbacks' jobs. Case Keenum, I'm not saying he's going to take C.J. Stroud. I mean, C.J. Stroud is obviously Offensive Rookie of the Year. You know, he's played great. But Case Keenum at the age he is at, man, I didn't think I'd ever see Case Keenum on another team after being dropped by the Buffalo Bills. 35 years of age, um, 
being around about 12 different <laughs> NFL teams. And in his first start, he just played a great game. There wasn't, I mean, the interception, it was a bad throw. I think he tried to overshoot Noah Brown on that potential touchdown throw. But overall, he played a pretty good game. Uh, moving on to the rush game, this is what won them the game. Um, Devin Singletary should have had 170 yards if that play in, off in uh, overtime hadn't been called back for the holding. But 26 carries, 121 yards, zero touchdowns, unfortunately, but that's great. And as we go on through this uh, podcast, I think I'm going to, at the end, highlight to you guys that the rush game won games this week. The 26 carries and 121 yards won the game for them. If you go onto the teams that have lost games this week, nine carries for 30 yards, if you get shut down on the run, you can't produce. Um, but through the air, also, in my opinion, they produced a pretty good game. Noah Brown stepping up for the injured Tank Dell is the reason why the Texans, I think, are a a improving team. I mean, to already be 8-6 and six with this young of a team, in the next 10 years, there's got to be a Super Bowl for them. They're just improving year by year by year. I'm proving people wrong. Noah Brown, 8 catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz, the tight end, um, former Dallas Cowboy, four catches, 58 yards. Devin Singletary, four catches, 49 yards. Robert Woods, the old Ram, three catches, 30 yards. I mean, just players all over the board racking up stats. Um, And this was done on the defense. This defensive effort to hold Will Levis and the Titans to 16 points was without Will Anderson. Will Anderson didn't play this game. Their their second overall pick didn't play this game. Um, but the defensive line still produced. We have gotten a sack from Desmond King, Derek Barnett. Um, I think Malik Collins got in there one or two times. I know Jonathan Greenard. I don't know if you guys know that name, but he got in there at least two times. They had about five to six QB sacks. I saw a post from the NFL that they had the most QB hits this week. Overall, a great defense that they have produced there in uh, Houston. And that's all because of their head coach, Miko Ryans. He has just come in and just swooped up a crumbling team and turned them into a contender in the next couple years. And hold, hold me on my word. You guys might be thinking I'm over-hyping the Texans, but they're going to make a playoff push. Within the next five to ten years, they're going to be a good team. What do we have next on the agenda? We have the Cowboys and the Bills. 31-10 to the Bills. Cowboys fall again to another team with a winning record. And I'd like to put the Cowboys on fraud alert right this second. Uh, You could be like, I mean, it was rainy conditions, I do agree with. And again, as I said before, the only reason the Bills won this game was because of players like James Cook on the rush. If you get a team, if you have a team and they're running back one, rushes over 100 yards, they should win the game. And the Cowboys ultimately weren't able to produce that. Um, Tough game overall from both quarterbacks. Uh, Dak throwing for 94 yards and just didn't overall play very good. He did throw an interception. I mean, surprise, surprise, it's Dak Prescott. Sorry to the Cowboys fans that are listening to this. 
Oh, sorry, he threw 134 yards. That was 94 to Josh Allen. Threw 21 for 34. 34 attempts in the rain is just an obvious you're not going to win this game play. You should not be throwing the ball 34 times in the rain. Like, it's never going to work. And then you have Tony Pollard getting 11 carries for 52 yards, which was mid, mid, mid. Um, And overall, just a mediocre performance on the board. I mean, you have CeeDee Lamb having seven catches for 53 yards. CeeDee Lamb is a big play guy. I don't know why, Dallas. Dallas, if you're, you're not listening to this, but if I could pass on one note to you after this game, target CeeDee Lamb down the field more. I mean, he has 53 yards. This is C.D. Lamb we're talking about, a top 10 wide receiver in this league. Jake Ferguson stepping up for six catches, 44 yards. That's a big highlight in this game if you're a Cowboys fan. You know, the tight end being able to produce is also a key factor to winning. Brandon Cooks, um, I wish you were still on the Texans, man. You, you get two catches for 10 yards. Your career currently is on the downfall because, you know, the receiving core in Dallas is pretty good. Um, But... Michael Gallup, one catch for nine yards. I have, I feel like I haven't heard that name in years uh, since the 2020 time, COVID time. But overall, Cowboys wide receivers, they did what they could. I mean, they were getting locked up all game. The rain wasn't good. The possessions weren't long. Lots of time sitting on the bench. You know, the Bills ran the clock. They had two times the amount of possession that Cowboys did. Um, But... I genuinely do feel bad for players like Dak Prescott who have to deal with the criticism they do. I'm not calling Dak a bad quarterback. I think Dak is probably a top five quarterback in this league, if not top three right now. But when your coach doesn't put you in the situation for success, you can't really get angry at the player. I mean, 21 completions in that weather is pretty good against a strong Bills defense. Probably a top five defense in this league the Bills have. I mean, they constantly are holding teams to less than 20 points. The Cowboys, to be honest, if, if you're a Cowboys fan, I'm sorry to tell you, they're not going to make a deep playoff run. They're an Eagles team. They're the same as the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles today, I was watching the game, lost 19-17. How do you let Drew Locke... Drew Locke, the former, yeah, the former um, Missouri quarterback, former Denver Bronco, have a game-winning drive on you. Philadelphia and the Cowboys are not serious contenders. They're not serious contenders. The only serious contenders in this league, in the NFC, are the 49ers. The 49ers are the only serious team. You, if you say the Lions are serious, you've got to be kidding me. They beat Denver 42-21 to because Denver is not as good of a team. Um... But I just don't agree with saying the Cowboys, this is their year. I mean, the Cowboys fans every year say this is their year, but I don't know what the problem is, man. I don't know if it's a coaching issue, but they're, they're going to make it maybe to the NFC Championship and get knocked out. It's just, they're just not a team that can either, they, they either show up and play great one game, like last week against the Eagles, but then they come to place like Buffalo and they just blow it up. Playing at home and you blow it up this bad is embarrassing, in my opinion. And moving on to the Bills. Um, how about that defense? As I said before, they're they're cooking. They're like chefs in the kitchen right now, making a Michelin-style meal. Um, big part of the game was they were able to shut down the Cowboys' defensive line. The boys in the trenches. The boys at the offensive line. Um, 
how on earth do you hold Micah Parsons to zero QB hits, zero sacks, and two tackles? And just just to be honest, those two tackles were assists, and they were recorded as recorded as two tackle assists in the stat book. But I don't I don't think I've ever seen a uh, offensive line do that. Hold Micah Parsons to that stat line. Micah Parsons is arguably the best or second best um, defensive lineman in the league. Uh, edge rusher. Maybe you could say T.J. Watt's better. I don't think Miles Garrett is. But when you're able to stop star players from making a difference on a game, you're going to win. Um, on the offensive side, they didn't play out of their minds. I mean, you can see here, this is what I'm saying. Josh Allen threw 15 times. That's a coaching, that's a great coaching decision to say, look, we're in Dallas, we're not at home, and it's going to be bad conditions. We know that. How about we go out, we play our style of game, and we go win? So throwing 7 for 15, 94 yards, and a touchdown is great. Uh, as I said, the 25 carries for James Cook, 179 yards in the touchdown, let alone his receiving touchdown, um, is amazing. Good on you, James Cook. Career day for you, man. 211 scrimmage yards. Um, after I saw you against Denver when you fumbled the ball about four times, I didn't think you'd have a job next week. But I'm proud of James Cook for stepping it up and stepping it up for this Bills uh rush defense rush offense because in the previous years the main reason they haven't been able to make a deep playoff run uh playoff run is because of their rush. They don't have a rush player the past couple years and I think they found one in James Cook. I think if the offensive line can continually produce products like they have yesterday and against good teams like the Cowboys, they will they will mark my words be a good playoff team. The 8-6 and six Buffalo Bills will be a good team. Um, On the receiving game, as I said, not much to talk about. You know, 4 for 48 uh, for Stefan Diggs. But it's mainly just because of the weather. Uh, so it was a, quite an offensive run game and a defensive stop game. Cowboys couldn't stop him. Uh, they could not stop the Buffalo Bills from running the football. So that is the final game that I believe... Is top three. So those are my top three games. Um, if you guys have anything you have to say against those, please let me know because I'm open to criticism. And I believe that some of my opinions could be wrong. Um, so as I said, we're going to move on to the QB and wide receiver duos of the week. Top five. And at the end, I'll have an honorable mention for you guys. So at number one, Baker Mayfield and Chris Godwin. It wasn't a success. I mean, it wasn't a significant win to the playoffs for... Um, the AFC, which is what I mainly focus on, not the NFC. But how about Baker Mayfield really coming into this season after getting traded from the Rams and being written off as a quarterback, trying to like just barely edge the Buccaneers into a rebuilding process? But I think they found their quarterback. 22 for 28, 381 yards and four touchdowns. Wow. That, that is an amazing stat line from a player like Baker Mayfield. And Chris Godwin, the old right receiver, taking the step over Mike Evans. Mike Evans didn't play a good game. He gets 10 catches, 155 yards. The most yards I've seen Mike Evans, I'm not Mike Evans, Chris Godwin's get this season. So I have to give them to the number one spot of the week. The 34-20 win over the Packers kind of should shock Packers fans into saying, you know, we've had a good couple past weeks. But we're not a serious team. I don't think the Packers are a serious team. I don't think they're a serious threat. 
Uh, I think they could be a serious threat if they got they, if they got sorted their quarterback problem and their wide receiver problem. Um, you're just not gonna win games with that wide receiver core, and you're just not gonna win games with that quarterback at, at um, Jordan Love. I'm sorry, they'll they'll give him two or three seasons, but he he's just not a quarterback that produces. He's produced maybe three times this season. Anyway, so number two, Tua Tagovailoa. Sorry if I said his name wrong. I think that's how you say it. And Jalen Waddle. Stepping up for the injured Tyreek Hill. Who, I don't know if you guys do fantasy. For my fantasy team, he he took the unfortunate day off. But Tua throwing 21 for 24, 224 yards, and a touchdown. And Jalen Waddle getting eight catches, 142 yards, and a touchdown. If you don't think the Miami Dolphins have the best wide receiver core in the league, I don't know what you're saying. You have Christian Berrios, Jalen Waddle, and Tyreek Hill. They they have to be the number one. You could argue the Bills with Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs. They still I think there's lots of teams in the league with great receiver cores. Um, as long as you're able to highlight the number one wide receiver's strength, and that's what they're able to do. They're a speed team. They're they're a good team. But I think if they made it to the Super Bowl, they're just not gonna make a push. Because teams like, for example, the 49ers, um, the Ravens. Kansas City, Buffalo, who else could I name? Um, I'd even give the the Cowboys or the Eagles would they wouldn't kill him, but they would beat them by one or two possessions because all the, the all the Dolphins have is speed. They're an offensive team. If the Dolphins get a good defense by the end of next year, they are a Super Bowl contender. Everybody, the defense is letting them down. I mean, if you can get that offense is great. Um, Tyreek Hill probably getting to the end of his career, he mentioned. Um, but if they can get a good defense, mark my words, in the next couple of years, they, they're going to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, they have a pretty good defensive line, though. I'll give it to him. Christian Wilkins, um, Bradley Chubb, two good and big threats on for the trenches, the boys in the offensive line. But overall, I just don't think... This is their year because, I mean, they're just a speed team. If you, if you eliminate Tyree Kill, they're they're done. If you eliminate Jalen Waddle, they're done because then they just go to Tyree Kill. So if you get two good, if you have a team with two good cornerbacks, not quarterbacks, cornerbacks, sorry, um, and you put them on those two players, they're gonna lose. That's what happened with that Chiefs uh Dolphins game back in week eight or nine in. Germany, um, 21 to 14 to the Chiefs. They just destroyed them because Tyreek Hill wasn't a threat in the game. I think he had six catches for 60 to 70-ish yards. And when you shut down Tyreek Hill, the the Dolphins are done. They're just not that good of a defensive team. That is at least against good teams. That's against top five teams in the AFC and NFC. They just can't produce. So they will make it through the wild card, mark my words. But when it comes to the AFC Championship time, they've got no no hope. No hope of making the Super Bowl because that defense will let them down. Number three, we got Nick Maltz and Jordan Addison. Not much to really touch on here. I already brought it up before. 26 for 33, 30, 303 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And then Jordan Addison, the rookie, six catches, 111 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jordan Addison needs to be monitored. Uh, that man might be one of the best, as I said before, Rookie wide receivers I've ever seen. Better than Puka Nakua. Um, 
Puka Nakua has been good filling in for Cooper Cup, but now Cooper Cup's come back, which I'm about to mention. Um, he's just slowed down. And Jordan Addison, even with Justin Jefferson, is dominating. He's a fast, small, wide receiver, kind of a Devontae Smith. Um, a Devontae Smith, but with better catching skills and agility. So that, that's, that's all I'm really going to touch on there. Uh, number four, we got Aiden O'Connell and Devontae Adams. The rookie Aiden O'Connell... They killed the Chargers. They they stomped on them, 63-21. to 21. A 42-point win. That's almost worse than the Broncos' loss, 70-20 to 20 to the Dolphins. Well, not really, but yeah. 20-34, um, for 34, 248 yards, four touchdowns. That That's pretty amazing, in my opinion, from a rookie quarterback. A lot of the yards uh, were set up from defensive takeaways. There was lots of strip sacks, interceptions that set them up inside the 50. But then Devontae Adams bouncing back after a tough start to the season that's kind of like maintained and held onto him. It's dragged him down through the season. He's had a couple games where, you know, he's been able to to really propel himself over the quarterback hump that the Raiders have. Starting off with Jimmy Garoppolo, who just wouldn't target him. And then Aiden O'Connell has kind of brought him back to life. So a credit to Aiden for coming out and trousing the Chargers, who were in a rebuilding process, believe it or not. Justin Herbert needs to get out of that situation. But good on him. Good on him for coming in and getting that win, even though, you know, they can't make the playoffs, but good on him. So if you're a Raiders fan, I'm telling you right now, you have hope in the future. Jimmy G, you need to get him out of there or just keep him as a backup quarterback. But Aiden O'Connell is the future for you guys. Moving on to number five, we got Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup. Uh, I believe five and four with Aiden O'Connell and Matthew Stafford. They can be interchangeable. I only put Aiden O'Connell ahead because the 63-21 to 21 win was pretty impressive. But 25 for 33, 258 yards, two touchdowns. It's a good stat line, especially now that I think Cooper Cup's got his spark back. Had a slow couple weeks coming back from the injury with about five catches per game for less than 50 yards in all those games. Um, just shows that how a, a guy like Cooper Cup can never be written off. Uh, eight catches, 111 yards a touchdown is insane. For a guy that's come back from an injury like he had, is. I just think it's just really, if you're a Rams fan, you're so close. I, I keep telling this to everybody I talk football with. You're so close, man. You're so close to being able to have a team that can make a deep playoff run. People people don't take the Rams seriously. They don't take the Rams seriously, and they need to start taking the Rams seriously. They are beating decent teams. The Rams should be a wild card, a 7th or 6th seed team. But ultimately, they won't because of the division they're in. But maybe they could. You never know. And then the honorable mention of the day. This is going to go to the Texans. This was interchangeable. I don't know if I should give it to the Texans or if I should have given it. It's Trey McBride and, the, uh, and Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders. But I was like, you know, I've already got Matt Stafford. What's the point of having two, two uh, wide receiver QB duos from the same game? I wanted to change it up. Um, Case Keenum, 23 for 36, 229, a touchdown and interception, as I said before. Um, it's, it's, it's a decent stat line. I'd give it to him for his first game back. Um, but this game needs to show Texans fans that when Tank Dell gets completely healthy and with a bit of experience on this team, they will be a Super Bowl contender within the next five years. 
Noah, you, you have such good receivers. You have Tank Dell, Noah Brown. You know, probably in the next two or three years, you're going to draft another good, strong, fast rookie. Um, You have Dalton Schultz. CJ Stroud's a good quarterback. Will Anderson. You've got Derek Stingley Jr. I mean, just there's just talent all over this roster. Just everywhere. So, good news for you Texans fans. Um, Hope CJ Stroud gets better after that injury in the head last week. But... There's hope for a lot of teams in the NFL, I think. Um, and then the, the last topic of the day, guys. We got who I believe should win the MVP race. There is no other option than Christian McCaffrey. It has to be. If, if a quarterback this year wins the MVP, they must rename the award. They need to rename the award to most a valuable quarterback. And I can I can understand if you say, well, Will, the MVP is the most valuable player, and the most valuable player is the quarterback because the quarterback's the most valuable position, which I completely agree with. But I don't think a quarterback stood out for me this year. I mean, stood out for me this year. I mean, CMC, Christian McCaffrey, has come into a new team and is single-handedly the reason Brock Purdy has been able to produce some of the passes he has. Uh, Brock Purdy can dump off to him. He's a long target. He's great, basically, inside the red zone. This season, 244 attempts, 1,292 yards. He's averaging 6.3 yards per carry, 13 rush touchdowns, 7 receiving touchdowns. And in his last game against the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, they're not a very good team, but still put up a fight against him. He had 22 rushes for 152 yards, a rushing touchdown, two receiving touchdowns. If if that stat line doesn't speak to you, I don't know what will. He is putting up elite numbers against good teams. Uh, against Philly, he put up good numbers against a good team. Just against the Cowboys, he did. Like, they're just... He's a great player. He's a great running back. He's obviously the best running back in the league. And I believe you just need to give him the MVP. I'd also make a case for Tyree Kill, but they won't give it to Tyree Kill because he's gotten injured. Uh, nearly putting up a 2,000-yard season, uh, averaging the most yards per game from any receiver this season is pretty good. It's remarkable, not pretty good. But because he's gotten injured, they won't give it to him. Um, And then I believe... That that's who I want to win the MVP, but in my hearts of hearts, I believe he won't because the MVP is a award meant for the quarterback. That's what the NFL's the NFL is a business. They're trying to make it. They're trying to make it so the quarterback, the quarterback's the most valuable position. So their thinking will be the most valuable position has to win the MVP. Tyree Kill or Christian McCaffrey will not win it. It'll go to a player like Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts. I don't want to say this, but if Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP, there's something wrong with the league. <laughs> um, just kidding, but um, it's got to it's gotta go to a player that makes a difference in the game. And I think a player like Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill make big differences. You could put them on any team and excel that team. You could put them on the Panthers and they could excel that team. They're just overall a great, great fit for any team and just remarkable players. They have strength. They have athleticism. They have speed. Uh, both of them are threats in the receiving game. You know, Tyreek's even a threat in the uh, rushing game if you give them the, the good old jet sweep. But that's all I have on my end today. So it was lovely speaking for you guys. Uh, I hope I didn't bore you too much.
And that will be another episode wrapped up on this podcast. I hope everyone has had a great day and will have a great remaining week slash day. My name's Will, your favorite Broncos fan, hopefully. And I'm going to be checking out. Everybody have a great day. That's all on my end. Everybody, peace out.